0: On this podcast, Pastor Moody brings us a message entitled, Be Filled, his scripture text to be taken from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verses 1 through 6. Here now, Pastor Moody.
1: Well, I'm going to go right to the Word of God tonight, and uh, I feel better about preaching tonight. i got some live bodies in the sanctuary, so if y'all feel like shouting, just shout. It's all right. I say amen every now and then, and uh, or oh me, whichever one suits you best. But Here recently, uh, I just, a while back, just kind of went through the book of Matthew. And uh, recently, it just kind of got on my heart again, just about the Sermon on the Mount. Greatest sermon ever preached by the greatest preacher who ever preached. It was Jesus preaching on the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, I started thinking about the Beatitudes. And, uh, you know, the, the, the Beatitudes have been sometimes called the be happy attitudes because the word blessed there means happy, it means favored. It means standing in a good place. That's what blessed means. And uh, I have thought so much today about happiness, and there's a lot of people that are pursuing happiness. They're pursuing it in a lot of different ways. Trust me, as a pastor, I've had to counsel with people who've tried to pursue happiness and it have made a train wreck out of their life. And one man told me one time, he said, preacher, he said, God wants me to be happy. I said, you're right. But I said, the way to do that is to be holy, to be right with God, to be saved. And I said, if you get right with God, I guarantee you, you'll be happy. Amen. You'll be blessed. So I, I just want to preach tonight and deal with the Beatitudes. But in particular, I want to start in Matthew chapter 5 and just read the, the first six verses. The Bible said Jesus sees a multitude. And he is, uh, the scripture said he'd left Nazareth. He'd moved into Capernaum. He'd started preaching. He'd started calling disciples. And he's working miracles. And people are getting healed. And multitudes start following him. And so the scripture says here he sees the multitude. And he goes up into a mountain. And when he is set down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them. And listen to what he said. He said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Then he said, blessed are they that mourn. And you'd be surprised. A lot of people misconstrue what this means. For they shall be comforted. And then he says, blessed are the meek. And a lot of people equate meekness with weakness. It's far from that. Moses was called the meekest man that ever lived. And I'll tell you what he did. He destroyed Egypt and parted the Red Sea, so he wasn't weak, can you say, amen? But meekness means power under submission or under authority or under control. In other words, in God's hand. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Amen? And this, verse number six, says, blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And uh, I'm going to preach this a little bit tonight on that thought of being hungry and thirsty. And my thought is, be filled. Be filled. It's possible to be filled with good things. With the goodness of God. With forgiveness. With grace. With mercy. With love. Compassion. Caring. All of these things are enumerated in the the Beatitudes. And these attitudes, I want to call them, are really quite simple. First, Jesus gives you the requirement, amen, and then he gives you the the result, amen, of fulfilling the requirement. In other words, when he says, blessed are the poor in spirit, amen, he said, because theirs is the kingdom of God. When you allow yourself to become poor in spirit, recognize how much you are spiritually bankrupt and how much you need God, then you can come into the kingdom of God. So, let's pray. Father, thank you for the word tonight. Use us and let your will be done in Jesus' name. Amen. So, as I said, the word blessed here has often uh, been called happy. These beatitudes have been called the, the be happy attitudes. And Jesus here makes the point, and he makes it, like he always did, easy to understand. He said, I want you to understand that there's a way that you can come from whatever miserable condition you may be in, into a favorable position with God. And that's what I call being blessed. Amen. Uh, John Gill said, just commenting on these, on these Beatitudes, he said, blessed are the poor in spirit. And he said, that means not poor in purse, but it's such as are poor and realize they have need spiritually, in a spiritual sense. Blessed are they that mourn. What do we mourn for? A lot of times people think that's talking about being bereaved or grieving because somebody has passed. But we mourn because of our sin. Not only our sin, but for the sin that's predominant in nature and in the world, in the society around us. indwelling sin, which is always working against us and working in us to try to pull us down. It's a continual grief of mind, amen, to people. Sin is. I I thought the Bible said the wages of sin is death. Think about that. The idea that that sin brought death upon man. That first man, Adam, fell by transgression. And when he did, Paul said death came upon each of us. And so many times people ask me, as a pastor, I've had them say, why do bad things happen to good people? And I say, well, the reason for that is there's a real devil. And he attacks the Bible, said it rains on the just and on the unjust. So John Gill said, "I want you to understand, we should be mournful because of sin." And then he said, "Blessed are the meek, those who are not easily provoked to anger, who patiently bear up under what they're going through, who put up with injuries and affronts, who carry themselves courteously, amen. Who are uh, uh, and affably to all. They, they're, they're, they, they 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 try to care for each other. They're, it's it's not weakness. It's power." But it's letting people know I'm here, amen, to, to kind of bear the load that the world tries to put upon me. And then he said, blessed are the merciful. I thought what a wonderful attribute it is to be merciful, who show mercy to the bodies of men, not just to their spiritual need, but to their physical needs, amen, to the poor, to the indigent, the homeless, the miserable, people in whose outward circumstances are terrible, by sympathizing with them and distributing to them and trying to help them not just with their, with their uh, spiritual needs, but with their physical needs as well. I, I, one of the things I noticed about Jesus, Brother Brian, was everywhere he went, he, he preached, but he also healed. Amen, he fed people. He took care of needs because Jesus, in one place he said, he saw people like sheep without a shepherd. And he said, I'm the good shepherd. And I always say this, it's not a compliment that he called a sheep because sheep are basically stupid. Sheep can't survive without a shepherd. That's why David said, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want, amen. So then he said, blessed are the pure in heart, not in head, amen. But there's a lot of people who think their head's right, amen. For many men have had pure notions and yet have, had impure hearts and, and not pure in hand or action or an outward conversation only because the Pharisees did that. They fasted, they gave, they tithed, they, they, they lived up to every letter of the law. But he's talking about an, an inward purity in the heart. The heart of man is naturally unclean and so it's not in the power of man to make it clean. But when Jesus comes in, there's a transformation. Paul said in Galatians Five and 22 when I think about these beatitudes I think about the fruit of the spirit because the fruit of the spirit is love joy and peace and long suffering and gentleness and goodness and faith meekness temperance notice that so many of these things that these beatitudes are are fulfilled by the spirit of God coming in and taking up abode in the life of a person amen I, I, I think about it so often about who I was before God saved me. I was a miserable wretch. I was thinking about the song that, uh, that was sung here Sunday morning and Katrina sung about the blood and it said, the first line, I was a wretch. You know, and, and uh, the, the great old song, Amazing Grace, how sweet the sound that saved a what? A wretch like me. When, when I think about my lostness, my condition before I got saved, Amen. It's amazing to me how that Jesus came and brought peace. The Bible said, blessed are the peacemakers. Amen. And uh, uh, you know, really not between God and man, for no man can make his own peace with God. I want you to think about that. Nor can any mere creature, angels or men make it for him. Christ in this sense is the only peace between men and, uh, and God and such are they who are peaceably disposition themselves and live peaceably with men, one with another. All that means is when Jesus comes in, God gives us the ability to be merciful. He gives us the ability to be peacemakers. He gives us the ability, even though sometimes people wanna bite your head off. Y'all ever met people like that? Some of you deal with people like that every day, amen? Uh, uh, Somebody asked this guy one time, said, did you wake up grumpy this morning? He said, no, I let her sleep in. And <laughs> that's because sometimes relationships are like that. I hope my wife is not watching that. <laughs> sometimes that's how people are. I mean, you can be having a great day and all you have to do is walk up to a person who's who's on a mission to be miserable and to reach and la- really lash out at you. Amen. I've, I've seen people almost come to blows, you know, because somebody almost... You know, didn't stop at a stoplight, not, not intentionally. They, You know, I, one time that happened to me. I was just, you know, I, I started to pull out and the light really wasn't green. I was just daydreaming, I guess. And all of a sudden, I realized what I was doing. I hit my brakes and I stopped. And this lady rolls the window down and she called me everything but what I am because I made a mistake. And I thought, man, she's having a bad day. Are you with me? And so God gives us the ability, amen, to, to be peaceful and have peace with God and with man. Listen to this. Romans 5 and 1 said, therefore being justified by faith. Isn't that great? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And you can't make peace with God, not by religion. Our our righteousness is as filthy rags. You can't make peace with God by joining a church. You can't make peace with God by being baptized. Is this all right? And I believe in joining a church. I'd be remiss if I didn't. I believe in being baptized. I, I believe in the, you know, the, the religious things we do. Somebody told me one time, they said, I hate religion. I said, you really know what religion is? The word religion means to do something with dedication and, re- and commitment. That's what, that's what the word religious means. But re- being religious won't save you. But what saves you, pure religion undefiled, is this, that you have a heart right with God Visit the fatherless and the widows and their afflictions. You know what all that means? That you live this out because you have a relationship with God. You know, we, we deal with devils every day. I had a man one time to me, he said, I don't believe in the devil. I said, he's got you. That's one, of his, that's one of his best tricks. If he can convince you he's not real, if he can convince you demons are not real, listen. I meet people, I see people sometimes, I know they got a demon. Nobody could be that bad unless they had one. And, and what do you mean? I mean, they're miserable. They're angry. They're, they're ready to lash out at everything. They, they abuse people they ought to be loving. Are you with me? And so, and that doesn't mean they're demon-possessed, You know, there's multitudes of demons in the world. I don't know why I got off on this, but I'm gonna say this. I heard Jimmy Swagger say it one time and it really resounded with me. He said, there are millions of demons in the world and and millions of them oppress people and torment people and aggravate people and motivate people. He said, very few are really demon-possessed, but multitudes kind of let demons influence them. Are you with me? And so I, I started thinking like this. We're in this world that is full of devils. But being justified by our faith in Christ, we have peace with God. Amen. Isn't that, isn't that wonderful? And uh, so uh, when you and I start thinking like this, it said, uh, uh, let us follow. And in and, and, uh, Romans 14 and 19, it said, let us therefore follow after the things which make for peace and the things wherewith one may edify or lift one another up. Isn't that great? I mean, I don't know about you, but it makes me feel good if I can speak to somebody and encourage them and help them. And, uh, uh, you know, I've, a great part of my ministry for 43 years has been doing things like going to hospitals and going to nursing homes and going to jails and going to mental institutions. I can tell you some stories about some of the places I've been. I've been in some people's homes that should have been in a mental institution. I mean, don't mean to be unkind, but I mean, just Satan had drove them crazy almost. And so I understand that we have this peace with God. We can become peacemakers. So we follow after the things which make for peace. And then he said, Blessed are they which are persecuted, not for crimes they've done, but for righteousness' sake. Amen. And blessed means divinely favored. Spiritual hunger is a phrase that denotes a strong desire for the things of God. And there are several verses in the Bible that refer to hunger. It has been said the foundational requirement for all godly living is to hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus said Matthew 6:33 Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Jesus declared here, if we hunger, I don't know about you, this excites me, we can be filled. I don't like to be hungry. But it's a pretty good trait when you go to eat. Can you say amen? If you've got a good cook, and I do, you can tell by looking at me. I mean, I mean, to me, it's a, it's a joy you know, to come in after a busy day and I'm hungry. And I try not to eat a whole lot through the day and come in and sit down to a wonderful meal and, and be filled, amen, all right? So that's what the Bible's talking about spiritually. I want to I say to those that are, that, are, that are watching us tonight and or see this on the internet, you might be in a, in a desperate place. You might be in a desperate place spiritually. You might be in a desperate place emotionally, financially. Your marriage may be in a desperate condition. And and uh, I, I, you know, I've had people tell me, I've got no reason to leave. Oh, yes, you do. The reason why you're in the condition that you're in is that you haven't really found the reason for living. The reason for living is Jesus. And when you get saved and Jesus lives in you and you get filled with all the blessings of God, and not only do you have a reason to live, but you want to share it with everybody. You want want to take it out and give it away. You, wanna, you know, uh, I remember one time a preacher came to our church on a Wednesday night when we were, this was, oh my goodness, back in the 80s. We were still in the what we called, affectionately called the Little Blue Building in town. And it was a Wednesday night service, and this evangelist from Michigan called me. I knew him, and he said, Pastor Moody said, I'm in Winchester, spent the night with my dad, I'm going to Florida in the morning for a revival. He said, I, but he said, I'm not doing this for an offering, don't want an offering. He said, but I feel like God spoke to me that I need to come by and preach for you tonight. I said, well, come on. I felt the witness. I said, come on. And normally on a Wednesday night, you know, we'd have a a pretty fair little crowd. We got to church that night and it was packed. It was almost standing room only. And I looked at him, I said, God is up to something good here tonight. And and he preached out of a text, out of the Old Testament. If I knew I was going to say this tonight, I'd have looked it up for you. But it talked about, where one of the, one of the patriarchs, it, said, it says a strange thing, it said he shook his lap. And I, and I thought, that's weird. But what it meant was he emptied his pockets. He emptied everything he had to give to somebody else. And all of a sudden, this man of God starts preaching about us being filled up so much, and we never empty ourselves. God didn't call us to be a cistern amen, or a pond. He called us to be a river. Jesus said, out of your belly will flow rivers of living water. And the problem with a lot of people is they're trying to be happy by being hoarders. Hello? You ever see that show on TV, Hoarders, where then people hoard all that stuff? I think sometimes, you know, we need to have a, what they call it, a hoarder's intervention. We need to have a spiritual hoarder's intervention in the church. We need to tell people, this ain't a bless me show. It's not a place where you just come in and try to get all you can get, can all you get, keep all you get. But what this is, is a place where the scripture said that you should be a river of blessings flowing from from the throne of God to the needs of people. Oh, somebody give him praise, would you? Amen. I I saw this on the back of a church bus years ago, and it's been a, a... a source of motivation for me to be filled daily. I was just driving along and I come up behind this church bus and it said a spirit-filled church reaching out to an empty world. I mean, I'm driving behind a church bus and get convicted. And I said, here we are bragging about all of us being spirit-filled, but how much are we reaching out to an empty world? Now, don't misunderstand me. There's a lot of panhandlers. There's a lot of spiritual panhandlers. Let me know that church panhandlers. Uh, they, they think that if they come in with little you know, puppy dog eyes and act really sad and sheepish that you'll just throw money at them. Can I tell you something? That sometimes the worst thing you can do for people is throw money at them because sometimes they're in the condition they're in because they've walked in rebellion against God. Well, this is not popular preaching. Are you hearing me? But I'm here to tell you, I am a man that understands that the greater part of a life is not physical, The greater part of a life is that eternal spirit in that man that's going to hell if somebody doesn't give him Jesus, amen. And uh, there's so many people that, that that are well off, but they're miserable because they don't know what I'm talking about. They don't know Jesus. It's all right. David said it like this, my cup runs over. Malachi said, oh, that God would open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing so much that you can't receive it all. Why does God want you to have more than you can handle? He wants you to give it away. That's what the whole purpose of blessing is, amen. John 15, 11, Jesus said, these things have I spoken to you that my joy might remain in you and that your joy might be full. I mean, I know people who got everything they were supposed to have and everything they could ever want and they look like they've been sucking on a persimmon they're so sad looking. Are you with me? They look like they've been weaned on a dill pickle. Somebody help me. They growl and grouch. And and, uh, I mean, I, I was a young preacher. I come out of a church one night and thought I did a real good job and a great big old older man threw a Bible at me because he didn't like what I preached. And I thought, man, this ain't right. And we started talking and got down to the, you know, to the real crux of the matter, and the real crux of the matter was his selfishness. Do you understand? Let me go on. Paul had a desire for all the people that he preached to, but he, he named his desire for the Ephesians. in Ephesians 3 and 19. he said, that you might know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. It's so great you can't comprehend it. How many of you knows Jesus loves you? But do you have any idea how much he loves you? Well, yeah, he went to a cross. Yeah, but he didn't stay there. He died for your sins. He carried them into, you know, he went to a grave. He rose for your justification. Isn't that great? Jesus died. That's a wonderful gospel message, but that ain't all of it. Then he ascended back to heaven. And then he sent back the Holy Ghost. Isn't that wonderful? Yeah, but that's not all of it. Because your Bible said he ever lives to make intercession. Are you hearing me? He's still loving you. He's still giving to you. He's still pouring out. He's still blessing. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. I'd almost shout on a Wednesday night. Let me hurry. Hunger and spiritual desire are essential to live. The Bible, how many of you ladies are mothers? Wave at me, you're you're mothers. There's there's a few in here tonight. Listen to me. You've got a newborn baby. You don't pack it home, lay it in a crib somewhere and say, I see you when you're 21. No. You you feed it. You care for it. You take care of it. You look after it. And, And that baby learns... This is good. Amen? The Bible said in 1 Peter 2 and 2 is newborn babes, as newborn babes, desire the sincere, sincere milk of the Word, the Word of God, that you may grow thereby. If so be that you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. And then, you know, when, when you hunger for God, He'll fill you. Hungry people are desperate people. I ever, has anybody ever really been hungry? I mean, I know sometimes we growl around and say, I'm hungry, but that's not hunger. Hunger's when your stomach's gnawing at your backbone because you haven't ate for days. And, you know, there's, there's a great multitude of people in the world today that aren't concerned about what they're gonna eat today. My God, they care if they're gonna get to eat today. Do you understand? That's, that's hunger. So uh, hungry people are desperate people. Spiritually hungry people are desperate. We need to get desperate for God Brother Brian, we 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 it, church as usual has got to go out the window. I mean, I, I, you know, and and, I, and everybody's saying that, and everybody's you can go to conferences and they tell you how to do that, and everybody's got an idea how it is. If you change the music and turn out the lights, and and or or, or leave the lights on and get go back to the old style, well, it ain't none. It ain't about none of that. Are you hearing me? Come on, it, it, it's, about, it's about coming to a place where I wanna come in, I wanna be freshly anointed and filled with the Holy Spirit. I, I wanna get to a place where that when I walk out of here, the devil's taking nerve pills, amen, because I got so much of God while I was at church and I'm just gonna run out and pour it out. I'm gonna tell people about Jesus. I'm gonna be a light shining in the darkness. Are you with me? I'm gonna, I, Amen, I, I wanna live my life as such that when if I die before the rapture comes or, or at least when I go to bed at night, The devil wipes his forehead and says I'm glad that's laid down for a while Are you hearing me Hungry people are desperate people Amen The Bible said that uh, Jesus in Matthew In Mark 7 and 24 It said that uh, he went to the borders of Tyre and Sidon And uh, a certain woman Had a young daughter that had an unclean spirit Heard of him And came and fell at his feet her daughter was demon-possessed, and she was not a Jew. She was not Hebrew. And, Jesus, and, and the woman was a Greek. Uh, the Bible said, she got specific, said she was a Syro-Phoenician by nation. And she came to, to Jesus to cast the devil out of her daughter, and Jesus said, Now, look, lady, I got to take care of my own people first. That's what he said. He said, Let the children be filled first, for it's not meat to take the children's bread and cast it to dogs. And she looked at him and answered him and said, yeah, uh, yes, Lord, yet the dogs get to eat the crumbs under the table. She was saying, if you'll just give me the crumbs of what you've got. And how many, how many Christians today are just satisfied with crumbs? The, you know, we, we, we miss a point here. The point is, Jesus has a table spread where the saints of God are fed, he invites his chosen people come to coming die. But he expects us then to take the fragments and the crumbs and the leftovers and what we've got and take it to the world out there because they need it. Amen. And uh, he said, for this saying the devil has gone out of your daughter. And the scripture said she was, went to her house and found the devil gone out and, and the daughter in the bed. Woo, and that would have been a wonderful condition. Come home, the devil's gone. Praise God. Let me me go on. Hunger represents desire. Thirst represents the need of abundance. Psalm 42 and 1, the psalmist said, as the deer of the heart paints after the water brooks, my soul paints after you, oh God. My soul. You know you're a three-part being? Most people think this is you. No, this is just the car you ride around in. I mean, we're not a body. Listen to me. We're an eternal spirit that has a soul, a mind, a will, an emotion that needs to be regenerated. And we just happen to carry it all around in this body. Amen. Now this body's gonna go back to the dust, you know, from where it came from. Either that or it's gonna be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye and go in the rapture. If it goes back to the ground, it'll be raised, raised incorruptible, raised eternal. But we need to be in a place today that we're thirsty for God, Isaiah 55, one said, whoever one that thirsteth, come ye to the waters, amen. He that has no money, come and buy, eat, drink, buy wine and milk without money, without price. Jesus in John 7 and 37, amen, said, in that last great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried and said, if any man thirst, let him come unto me and drink. He that believes on me, as the scriptures said, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water. Jensen Franklin made a statement sometime back, he said, anybody can be normal, but normal is overrated. I don't want to be normal. Most, some people think I'm not, but by that, I mean, I don't want to just be satisfied with some low standard of living. I'm not just trying to see how much I can do and still make it to heaven. I'm not trying to squeak by. Anybody hearing me? I want to be like Christ. I want to be like Jesus. I want to help people, make a difference to people, touch people, get people saved, get people delivered. I want to be a man, thank God, that, can, that people can look to me and say, that guy can help you, praise God, because he knows the Lord. Amen. Not because he's got a big bank account, because I don't. Are you and me? I mean, one of the greatest uh, travesties of life to me has been that the church has to has to rake and scrape and, and 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 plead to try to get money to do what other people are supposed to be doing anyway. That's feeding the hungry and taking care of them. Are you with me? And meeting needs and building churches and supporting missions and doing the things that we do. Thirst represents the need for spiritual abundance. Amen. And then finally he said, you shall be filled. And that means satisfaction. Satisfaction. We used to sing an old song, I'll be satisfied. When my soul is rested in the promised land above, I'll be satisfied. And I thought, that's a true song for the natural weary man. But I'm going to tell you, I have found a place since I've been living for God. Can I say this? Where I'm satisfied. There's been many times in my life that I'm satisfied. And and it wasn't because all my bills were paid, which that's nice. And it wasn't because that I had what I wanted, that's nice. But when I was satisfied was when I found out that I was right where God wanted me. And I was doing right what God wanted me to do. Amen. One old boy told me many years ago when I got saved, he said, Brother Owen, and he was uh, Brother Brian's met him He was a friend of mine He used to work with me A, a, a veteran And uh, he told me back when I first got saved I'll never forget it one night He walked up to me We worked kind of side by side And he'd been praying for me And he'd been trying to mentor me And talk to me And help me along And he'd, he was a great guy When I started preaching he'd, he'd go to yard sales And buy suits that fit me And have them dry clean And bring them to me And buy books at yard sales That he thought I needed And, and uh, you know he was just he just He loved my ministry and he come to me one time at work and we were just working away and I looked and there was a tear running down his face and I said, brother, what's going on? He said, I just wanted something uh, I felt like the Lord wanted me to tell you. And I said, what is it? He said, there's no greater joy in this life than to find out what God wants you to do and to step into it and see it start working. He said, man, once you get in that place where you know you're doing your part and God's doing his part and you're seeing results, he said, that's the greatest blessing, amen, for a man of God in this world. Amen. You shall be filled. Filled. Can I say it? You'll be satisfied. Thank God. Thank God, thank God. Paul said, I've learned in whatever condition I'm in to be satisfied. He said, I've been rich and I've been poor. And we always usually joke and say, Rich is better. Paul didn't say that. Wherever I'm at, I'm okay. I've got everything I need. Amen. I've told this story. That's a little pastor in Guatemala little old adobe house with dirt floors cooked outside in an adobe oven. Slept on a hammock. Didn't have any furniture. Never had new clothes on their back, I don't think. Everything they had was what somebody brought and gave to them. And he was pastor in the church. And he come in one night eating some beans and, and uh, some citrus and just a little bit of what they had. And he raised up his eyes and looked across the table at the missionary and said, The Lord spoke to me today. He said, what'd he say? He said, the Lord said, hard times are coming. And he said, the preacher said, I looked around and thought, man, you may not realize it, but you're living it. He said, but before he could say anything, said the old boy smiled and said, well, I'll be okay. He said, my wife can cook beans and and we got a little citrus and said, we're we're happy. And he said, besides that, I've got Jesus. I've got more than I need. I'm going to go preach about him tonight. Amen. You see, we'll be satisfied. Isaiah 55 and 2, wherefore do you spend your money for that which is not bread and your labor for that which does not satisfy? Oh, listen. You know, I've, I grew up poor. And uh, uh, well, I need to take that back. I did not grow up poor. I just didn't grow up rich. I mean, I lived in a farmhouse that didn't have running water and had a, instead of three bedrooms and a bath, we had three bedrooms and a path to an outhouse out back. And we raised my grandparents. My mother died when I was a baby. My grandparents raised everything about it that we ate. And, uh, and man, we ate good. I mean, we, we wasn't wealthy by any means. Most kids got a truckload of stuff for Christmas. I got one toy usually, maybe two if I was lucky. We'd get some clothes when you're a little kid, you hate clothes for Christmas, but that's what I got Or you with me. And so I, that's kind of how I grew up. And, and uh, yet I want to tell you, I'm, I'm at a place today that sometimes I, I find myself you know, grasping for things that I'd like to have. And every now and then I hear the Holy Spirit say, do you really need that? And I'll say, no, Lord, but I want it. And then he'll say, do you really want that? And I'll understand he's telling me just let that go. And focus on something else that's more important. It's all right. Amen. You don't need spending your money for stuff that don't satisfy. Don't, don't nobody go off and say, well, Brother Moody wants me to sell my house and give the money to the church. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying that as long as we hunger and thirst after the things of the world, there's, there's stuff you can take that never satisfies. No matter how much you got. One place that it said, it's like your your purse, your bag. It's got holes in it. And the more you get it, you just keep losing it. Has anybody ever been there? I've, I've been there. It's like nothing ever satisfied. But there's a place you can get with God where you can wake up every morning and say, well, good morning, Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. This is a good day. Jesus could come today. And like that old preacher in Guatemala said, I'll be all right. Psalm 107 and 8 said, oh, that men would praise the Lord. Why? for his goodness and for his wonderful works for the children of men. Verse nine said, for he satisfies the longing soul and he fills the hungry soul with goodness. Can I tell you tonight? Be filled. Don't walk around in the maze of mediocrity trying to satisfy the flesh because the flesh can never be satisfied. Amen. I was listening to old brother Bert Clendenin the other day in a, message he was preaching and uh clinton and was he was brilliant he was military he was a a a marine corps world war ii veteran that was on the i believe it was on guam and was was there and i won't go into all i mean they just barely made it out alive and when they finally got relieved they, they finally took that place but when he finally came out alive his, all of his officers and everybody above him had been killed, and he was a, a sergeant, I believe, or maybe a corporal. And he was in charge over what men they had left, and uh, Clinton was just a—I mean, I, I just, he was like John Wayne. I just loved to listen to him talk. Amen. And uh, Clinton was preaching about sanctification on the radio the other day, and I—I I heard it. He's—he's so he's been gone a bit, the Lord, now for a few years, but he was playing it, and uh, he was preaching about sanctification, and uh, he said, Been sanctified means." setting yourself apart. You belong to God. You don't belong to that world. Being sanctified means being made holy so God can use you. And uh, he said, Jesus said it like this. He said, take up your cross and follow me. He said, let me tell you now how, the way he talked. He said, in that day, in that time, they understood when a man took up that cross and shouldered it, he was going to die. He was saying goodbye to everything, everybody, everything around him. When he was shouldering that cross, it meant he is going to that hill that is going to nail him there. And he is aiming to die. He wasn't coming back. Can you say amen? And he said, I want you to understand that's what Jesus is saying. Shoulder the cross. Say goodbye to everything and start out for the kingdom of God and follow me, and you'll be I'll make you disciples and you'll be fishers of men and you'll do great things for God but before you can ever do it you'll have to go to that cross and die to all those other things that take the place of hunger and thirst after righteousness Paul said to the Ephesians be not drunk with wine where it is excess but be filled with the spirit And I don't know many church members who drink alcohol. There are some that do. And if somebody sees this, they'll say, you're judging us. I'm just telling you what the Word of God says. And my point is this. I'm, I'm not fussing at you for drinking alcohol. I'm fussing at you because you don't care about the things of God enough. If I'm fussing it off, that's what I'm doing. Be filled with the Spirit. Now, I've been drunk on several occasions since I've been saved, but I never once got drunk on alcohol. I've been drunk on the Holy Ghost. I've been filled with the Spirit to the point of losing control of myself and letting Him have control of me. Amen. Be not drunk with wine. Be filled. Be filled. Blessed are they that hunger and thirst for what? They shall be filled. I want to pray with you that are watching me by internet tonight and by those that are here. I want to pray for you. If you're hungry for God, don't, don't lament it. An old preacher said one time when I, was, when I was a kid, when I first got saved, I listened to the older preachers. I just, I'd just i go listen to them. I loved them. I rode around with them. I hung out with them. And uh, This preacher was talking one time and he said he was in the church and said the lady came to him and one day and said, Preacher, I need you to pray for me. Pray for me, pray for me. He said, Well, sister said, what, What's what's wrong? She said, I need for you to pray that God will lift this burden off of me. He said, Well, now hold on just a minute. What is this burden that you're carrying? She said, I'm burdened for my family. I'm burdened for the lost. I'm burdened for some the way they're living. He said, I will not pray that God will lift that burden. But I'll pray that God will make you an intercessor to pray it through and see that family saved and see them delivered from their sin. That stuck with me. We want things too easy. We want to run to church and say, God, bless me, when we ought to run to church and say, God, fill me, because I'm hungry for the things of God. Amen. Amen. Let's pray. Father, I pray for that person that's watching tonight who's tried to fill up their life with alcohol or drugs or relationships or, or material things or, or gambling or whatever it might be. Maybe none of those things. They, they've tried to fill up their life with their family, with their husband, their wife, their children. Things that, that seem to be pleasurable and honorable. They, they've tried to fill up their life with the American dream. Owning a nice home, driving good cars, living well, work working until retirement one day, and, and and laying back and taking it easy somewhere. All the time, forgetting about souls that are going to hell. Many of them are church members. Many of them are church members that are living that dream, that life. And they've got no hunger for the things of God. But Jesus said, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst, for they shall be filled. Blessed are they that mourn for sin, for the sin of of their own sin and the world's sin and the, and the sin in the church and the sin in the country. And we, we've got people on media trying to justify the violence and the, and the hate that's going on. It's all sin. The church needs to be mourning for that sin. God, let your will be done tonight. And let that person find their, their way to the cross. Let them look up and say, Lord Jesus, be merciful to me. Forgive me. Let me be filled because I'm hungry for God and hungry for righteousness. Let your will be done, Father. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. God bless you. Thank you for watching us tonight. Call us, 859 623 Message us on Facebook and check us out on our website. Come be in church with us. Amen. if you prayed tonight, and gave your heart to the Lord, reach out to me, let me know. We want to help you follow through for Christ. God bless you all. All right. Praise God. Let me say this tonight. We're off the internet. And I've preached this because it was my heart tonight. I'm compassionate when I see hungry people. And we do a lot from this church and through this church to help meet those needs. I'm talking about physical hunger and to meet the needs of people as I said, in jails and hospitals and all these other kind of places and homes. But I want to tell you tonight, my greatest desire is for this church to be so full and overflowing that the river runs through this place and out of this place and brings revival to Madison County. I mean, if we just get enough enough of God to shout in church, we ain't got much. Hello? If I just come to church and get enough of God to take care of me, you know, as a pastor over the years, I've went to visit people who quit coming to church for whatever reason, you know. And and so many times I've had them say, now you don't have to worry about me. I'm all right. I'm going to make it. Therein is your problem. You know what's right in the middle of sin? I. Have to worry about me. I'm all right. I'm going to make it. Well, I ain't got no doubt you might. But what about your neighbor? What about your co-worker? What about that poor homeless person standing out there on the street? And we all we can all say, well, yeah, they're there because they just put not do You don't know why they're there. There's all kinds of people in America that's one paycheck away from being homeless. You hear me? And I think God wants us to be a people that are. A people of abundance, of abundance. You know, people that's known me all my life, family members, people. I've had them come up to me sometimes and say, Owen, God sure has blessed you. And you know what I do? I say, you are right. <laughs> it 's God, he has. And it's not just me that he's blessed, but thank God he's, he's worked through me to bless others around the world. And I said, I, that's who I am. That's what I, I you know, I've always said, I'm just hoping one day some millionaire will leave me all of his money. And I'm not going to live in a mansion or go buy a Rolls Royce. I'm just going to use it to reach the world for Jesus. Amen. Because I think that's what we ought to be wanting to do for God. He said he'd cause the wealth of the wicked to be given to the righteous. And I ain't want nobody to die so I can get their money. So don't nobody say that. But I'm just saying God has a way of channeling blessings, physical, spiritual emotional, financial. You may just be the healing for somebody's life that has been decimated for years and nobody took the time to tell him about Jesus. I was thinking, I was trying to think of the old guy's name they used to call the Bourbon Street Preacher in New Orleans. Uh, he was a Baptist preacher he was, and he was character. And he was, he was a Cajun, and he talked like one. And he said, I was down there on Bourbon Street in New Orleans. He said, I'd walked down the street and said, there laid a man, his head down over the curb in the street, passed out drunk, laying there drunk trying to get up. And he said, I got down there. He said, I scooped him up. He said, I pulled him up in my arm. And I said, yeah, man, he said, get up so the car. going to kill you laying down there. I said, you're going to die and go to hell drinking this liquor. And he said, the man looked at him and said, well, brother, I'm one of your converts. He said, you look bad like something I could convert. I can't convert nothing. He said, you need Jesus in your life. Let him convert you. And he said, I worked with him. And he said, finally, after a few days, he said, the man got right with God. That's who we are. That's what we're about. They put me in a hospital one time when I was just a young preacher. I had an attack. And they thought my gallbladder had ruptured. They didn't know what, something had ruptured inside. My blood pressure fell to the bottom. They took me to the hospital from work. And and God healed me. I'll just make this long story short. He healed me that day. But they kept me in the hospital three days to look at me and see what was going on. They couldn't find nothing. And they put me in a room with a man they'd found in an alley. There was a wino, an alcoholic. He was as yellow as a pumpkin. He was bloated. He had cirrhosis of the liver. He was about to die. And he was a mess. And the nurses would come in and say, Reverend Moody, we're sorry. We're gonna get you out of here just as soon as we can. And I said, you are not. Don't you get me out of here. Well, why? Isn't he aggravating you to death? I said, no, I'm aggravating him to death. I'm gonna get, get him to die while he's in here so I can raise him up again. And they said, "What? Well, I'm talking about getting him saved. And I stayed three days with that man. He was was supposed to have wasn't supposed to have water. I'd catch him trying to steal my water. He was seeing spiders and monsters and screaming, and I'd lay hands on him and pray for him, and he'd go back to sleep. And finally, on the last day before I left, we're sitting there in the room, and he gets up and he wanders around the room for a minute, and comes over and sits down on my bed beside me, and he said, "I don't know what it is, but you've helped me somehow." And I said, I ain't done nothing. But I said, here's what I want to do. I want to give you an opportunity to meet a man that will change your life forever. i never forget this. He looked at me and said, who is he? I said, his name is Jesus. And he started to cry. And In a little while's time, that man prayed with me and gave his heart to Christ. Isn't that great? And I was getting ready to leave. And I said, where will you go? He said, ain't nobody will have me. He said, I've got one sister that lives in this town. And he said, I've stole from them and treated them bad and done them awful. And said, she told me years ago not to ever call her phone again. I said, what if I call her? He told me her name. I found her number. I called her. Told her who her was. I said, I'm a preacher. I'm in the hospital with your brother. Well, what's he done now? Is he dying? I said, probably so. But I said, the best thing I can tell you is, today he gave his heart to Jesus. And that woman that was cold and resisting shifted and she started to cry and said, what hospital is he in? And I told her, she said, you tell him I'll be there in a little while. Hallelujah. That's what God's looking for. Somebody that he can use. Amen. Amen.
0: We hope you enjoyed today's message and we'll tune in again next time. Raising the Standard is the media ministry of the Richmond House of Prayer in Richmond, Kentucky. For more information on the various outreaches and ministries of the Richmond House of Prayer, please visit our website at www.arhop.life. Thanks for listening.